Welcome to New Oral Cultures Podcast. I'm Dario Linares, and it's great to be back with you. Um, This episode is a a little break from the series that we've currently got going on, which has obviously been produced by Jerry Padfield, which hopefully you're all enjoying. But a kind of momentous happening has occurred in the podcast universe, which I thought warranted a little bit of a conversation with... uh, two gentlemen who are absolutely at the forefront of podcast studies and gurus in this area. So um, it's great to welcome Richard Berry and uh, John Sullivan to the podcast. Richard, uh, great to speak to you again. How are you doing? Hi, I'm fine. Yeah, how are you? How's life in lockdown? Uh, It's an interesting set of uh, problems to deal with, but I always have to remind myself I've got a much easier situation than I think than most people. I don't have any children and well, there's two of us here working, so we're both earning full-time salaries. So it's obviously we're in a in a very good situation. So I'm trying to be quite sanguine about what's going on. So how about you? Yeah, pretty much the same. Yeah, kind of um, juggling myself and my wife are both here working from home, and yeah, it's uh, it's kind of a, it's the new normal, isn't it? As they say. Yeah, it's gonna it is the new normal, but also it's gonna be interesting to see what that normal kind of transforms into when we get into the uh the upcoming semester in, in September. We're just I think this this term for me was just a sort of ad hoc let's let's try and get through it as best we can. But now actually trying to put some plans in place, there's gonna be a lot of discussions about what higher education and and you know, in, in the fields of, of film and podcasting and media generally is gonna look like. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's going to be different for all of us. I think, yes, I'm guessing it's the same for you, John. You know, we kind of we don't quite know what's around the corner. No, greetings to both of you. So glad to be here with you on the podcast, Dario and Richard. Uh, things are quite quite bad here in the United States, and we're just trying to hang on. And yes, we're really not sure what's going to happen in the fall. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's great to have you on, John, all the way from uh, America and. Obviously, the the discussion that that is ensuing in in the podcast world is the the move of Joe Rogan or the impending move of Joe Rogan from his current space, you know, in the in the broadest sense of podcasting and on YouTube, over to an exclusive deal with with Spotify. Now, this has really been one of the biggest stories, I think, in in media more broadly over the last couple of weeks, and it opens up so many questions about what it means for podcasting is it going to have an effect on the culture of podcasting what is it going to mean for issues around um platformization and the expansion into podcast into podcasting of other the other big players in in media say apple google and amazon so richard maybe you can start us off and and talk a little bit about perhaps some of the questions around podcasting that you think this move kind of triggers that we need to talk about? I mean, I think it's, people have kind of highlighted some of them already, isn't it? This is podcast's potentially biggest name. I I think you could argue that possibly he is. Um, Making a move from sort of the, the open web into more of a walled garden and I think, you know, we can unpick that as we go in terms of why he would do that and why Spotify would spend what's rumored to be like $100 million on this. But I think it's that kind of constant question that we talk about in terms of, well, what do we mean by podcasting? 
you know is he is he still going to be making a podcast when he goes to spotify and i think that's that's probably the, one of the key questions for us in in for like on this side of the fence in academia anyway yeah i mean i think that there's that sense that that podcasting has always been defined by the rss and then suddenly if he goes over to spotify and goes behind the walled garden as you as you call it and is not in the open space that the rss is spat out to and we think of all the ways that, that people consume podcasts does that kind of reassert or continue to move towards an industry that it becomes more stratified or has a hierarchical distinction between um institutionalized podcasts that ring fence their talent and create this kind of brand segregation that, that's going on there's also i suppose questions isn't there really i mean it'd be interesting to, to hear what you guys think about what his 8 million YouTube subscribers will do? Because pop- podcasting is obviously really famous for its its loyalty. Will they move across with him? It, does he have that, that, sense of, that sense of a pull? When he moves over to Spotify, is it going to be the advertising that's going to fuel the revenue for Spotify? Or is he eventually going to go completely behind the, the paywall and, and you'd have to subscribe to listen to, to Joe Rogan? I think it'd be interesting because I don't know whether his kind of content is going to is going to really sort of lend itself to that that kind of um that kind of system of monetization i mean just look at what's going on with luminary right now i think maybe in part due to what's happened with the covid i don't think that they're you know having the success or or the the business model is not working out as as perhaps they they originally uh, thought it might do john do you want to come in here let us know what you think i think the content wise I think Joe Rogan is very similar to a lot of other podcasters out there, and in particular, these celebrity-based podcasters who just jump on a mic, have a production company, and just talk, and people subscribe because they are interested in the celebrity, right? They want to know what someone has to say. But because Joe Rogan has the number one podcast in terms of subscribers, downloads, whatever metric you want to use. That's why it's, I think, such a big deal that this is going to be exclusive from here on forward on Spotify, the app. And it's also interesting because of the kind of content, the kind of personality that Joe Rogan is. He's very much a kind of, if you've listened to his podcast, he's kind of a libertarian, I would say. He's uh, definitely not uh, necessarily liberal. He's much more libertarian in his views. And someone moving over from this wide open space from the open web and RSS, which you would think would be the absolute uh, nexus for libertarian views, the open web is great for libertarianism, to move onto a proprietary platform like Spotify, a lot of his core diehard listeners, if you pay attention to his Twitter feed, are absolutely blisteringly angry that he's essentially abandoning these principles and in, in service of a payday. So that's going on on the boundaries here. And I think he's going to lose a lot of listeners moving to Spotify simply because A, maybe a lot of his listeners are using other podcast aggregators that are not Spotify and don't want to switch over to Spotify. And B, a lot of them are quite frankly angry that they have to choose an app just to access specific kinds of content. 
they don't like being told what to do with their technology. And because that's where his audience is, I think he's going to lose potentially a huge audience. Yeah, I, I, it's a, that's a really interesting point because I haven't really read or heard of a lot of kind of audience backlash about this, but the sort of libertarian politics element of it is really important. I was trying to think, you know, what is it about Joe Rogan's podcast that makes that that has made him number one? And I think it's really quite difficult to pinpoint from a sort of formal perspective. Like you say, it's just at the end of the day, it does go back to that original sort of notion of podcast, which is somebody talking, usually a man talking into a mic and people people listening. You know, well, obviously he's he he has the guests on, which is. And the, interestingly, I think the, the sort of wide expanse of the guests and the way he, he speaks, he seems to speak across different spe- sectors, particularly in terms of kind of constructions of masculinity. He's, he's almost cultivated a, a unique space in terms of unadulterated, non-PC discussions of masculine narratives. He even traverses kind of across left and right. You know, the way that he talks about politics doesn't fit neatly into a kind of conservative or, or liberal mindset, as you said. I mean, I think relating him to um, liberalism is is really interesting. But also, you know, he talks a lot about physical and mental health. Obviously, he's a comedian, but also a commentator on UFC. So he's got, and you know, you can see by the look of him, he's got this certain, he exudes this sort of certain sense of masculinity, but also seems to speak about spiritual and holistic aspects of identity, but that might be taboo in other contexts. So it's interesting that, he has carved out that position and in a way he's he's risking that on going behind a much more commercialized outfit and i think richard it's interesting isn't it that the question of whether his content will now change because it it is going to be kind of going through the filter let's say of of a company like spotify which will i don't know i mean it depends whether how much they want to court the controversy that he is you know, that he has definitely been involved with in the past. I mean, I think for them, what kind of struck me about this is what happened here in the UK sort of 20 years ago with the Premier League in that Sky TV bought the entire rights. So basically said to anybody, if you want to watch top flight football, you need to go out and buy a dish. And so force these people into this new space, but people who wouldn't normally have gone there and i think that's that's the driver here for spotify and and in terms of that kind of content thing i think it might be an issue for them um but i think it's about drawing in people particularly from the us um which you know has probably more, more competition than than say europe does in the streaming market and it's about using content there as a pull and they, they always say, you know, if you want to kind of um, succeed, you go after the market leader. So they've gone for the biggest person, they made him a pitch, and they've arrived at a figure that, that he finds acceptable. Yeah, and it's, it is going to be interesting to see what, whether this triggers a similar thing with the other big players like Apple, Google, and Amazon. I mean, it seems as well, just with, with Spotify having bought The Ringer and Gimlet Media and Anchor, they are st- setting their stall out on podcasting beyond, you know, as part as a fundamental part of their business model beyond just the streaming services of music, which they're obviously related to. But I wondered, I wondered, John, what where you think this fits in in your 
your kind of analysis of the the platforms of po- podcasting past and present which is obviously the the article that you you wrote reasonably recently does that change or or enhance the thinking that you uh, you put forward in that piece well i think this is part of the broader platformization and just to bring some definition here what i mean by platforms are essentially these online services that connect people together. They connect audiences with content. They connect advertisers at the same time with audiences. And the thing about these platforms, and they're everywhere, there's social media like Facebook and Twitter, these are platforms. And of course, even a service like Google that allows you to uh, search the web easily is itself a platform service. The thing about these platforms and their value to users is that they are a kind of neutral conduit. We always view them as neutral, as just passing off information from one player to the next to act as a kind of go-between, an arbiter. What's happening is that these platforms are moving away from that neutrality and they are taking much more of a, they're having much more of a stake in the kinds of content that travels through their portals, through those platforms. So Google, for example, if Google had a vested interest in you finding some particular kind of content on the web and only directed you to that content, there would be an immediate hue and cry that Google is in many ways uh, kind of uh, directing people in a particular way on the web. And indeed, they're starting to do that. And that's raising the hackles of the EU and uh, here in the United States less so. So when platforms begin to have a vested financial interest in the content that's on their platforms, they cease to become neutral. And Spotify has existed as this kind of app that connects you with music. The music is provided by the record labels and independents, and you access them through Spotify's service. Now, of course, Spotify has relationships with major record labels and makes sure that those tracks show up much in much more uh, higher frequency on their app. But here with they haven't done that thus far with uh, with podcasts, but with having uh, the ownership of Gimlet with now owning Anchor and now these exclusive relationships with Joe Rogan and also the Joe Budden podcast, a major hip hop music podcast. Now Spotify is in a position to one, be a platform provider, but two, also direct people's attention to specific types of content that it has a vested financial interest in you actually accessing. And it's no longer neutral at that point. And I think that that is an important aspect of what's happening in these in lots of forms of media that rely on these platforms. Yeah, and it's this kind of filtering or directing of traffic which really feeds into the question that 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 kind of came up a little bit on social media the other day about what podcasting is and what how it should be defined. Um, and I know that I mean it, because of the time differences, it was very difficult. But we really we want we. We really wanted to talk to James Cridland about this because his pod news site had, has got a very specific definition of podcasting, which in a funny way, the this this Joe Rogan move kind of clashes up against that definition of podcasting. And he also thinks that um, 
he also thinks that this isn't as big a deal as people are making out. And I know, I know, uh, John, you wanted to say something about that. Yeah, he had a fascinating piece. So I would direct people, and maybe you can put this in your show notes, I would direct people to that uh, really smart piece in Medium that James Cridlin wrote about, essentially his argument was, why are we getting so uh, upset about uh, Joe Rogan moving exclusively to Spotify? Those of you who think that the uh, the open ecosystem of podcasting is under threat don't understand podcasting because it hasn't been an open open ecosystem since 2005 when apple got involved so cridlin's argument here is that look apple is the really the two-ton gorilla of podcasting the company sits astride the podcasting universe like a colossus about 75 percent of all traffic that comes from uh, podcasting in terms of downloads is really filtered through the directory that's run by Apple. It used to be called iTunes, and now it's called Apple Podcasts. So Apple is in a much stronger position to be able to direct that attention that people turn on different podcasts. And now Apple has not been necessarily a neutral platform either, although it's taken more of a hands-off approach. And the one thing that Apple hasn't done Yes, they have, uh, as Cridlin talks about, they've definitely prevented certain types. Uh, they haven't recognized certain tags that go into the RSS feeds, which takes away some of the functionality. So it makes it more difficult for you to do certain things with your podcast. But you can't afford to anger Apple because, again, that's 75% of your audience is accessing it, if not on an Apple device, or is accessing it through Apple's directory service. So just the process of discovering podcasts is high, heavily reliant on Apple's uh, podcast directory. So you can't afford to anger Apple. That's point number one. So Cridlin says, Apple is, why are we getting upset when less than 10% of the traffic for podcasts flows through Spotify and so much more of it flows through Apple and Apple has been much more um, tight about how it kind of governs this space. The one thing that I would kind of, a critique about that argument is that Apple up to this point has not necessarily shown a real interest and certainly hasn't shown a financial interest in getting into the content business. There is not an Apple sponsored content on, um, on its podcast service. And there are some Apple related technology podcasts and things like that, but they compete on an even field with all the other podcasts out there. Once Apple kind of begins doing what Spotify does, and there's some signs that they may do this, that is, start their own podcasts and start really directing traffic towards those podcasts to the detriment of other podcasts that are distributed through their uh, Apple podcast directory, then they will, again, like Spotify, cease to become that neutral platform for just connecting audiences and content. And then we're in a much different situation. Then we're in a realm where suddenly all these competing platforms are going to try to sponsor their own content to try and lure audiences to their exclusive platform. And then suddenly podcasting stops looking like the technology it's been for the since its founding and starts looking a lot more like streaming video services like Amazon Prime and Netflix and Disney Plus 
that are battling over exclusivity to certain types of content in order to lure uh, listeners and viewers to their sites uh, and to make money by subscription. So that that is the that's the potential danger for podcasting is that we move away from this open architecture of RSS and suddenly it just becomes like so many of our other media uh, walled gardens that we have to pay extra to access. Yeah, it really is a fundamental paradox with with iTunes. Here's a, you know a multi-billion dollar corporation who just have really not taken any interest in the content of podcasting at all. They just want to sell more phones and more computers and have left the, you know, the, this sort of wild west of creation, particularly in the early days of, of podcasting, which kind of created the medium as we know it. So it hasn't acted in that way of, oh, we're going to kind of direct the traffic of the content or censor it or, you know, any of these questions around around monetization, for example, is another one. So RSS was this very simple tool in in a way in which audio content could be uploaded and then disseminated. But obviously, yeah, when when Spotify comes in, they're doing a, a slightly a slightly different jobs. Which if the if Apple begin to do that, I think you're right. We suddenly were into a different arena where we've just got channels of content in very in a similar vein to to television richard what do you make of that yeah i mean i think yeah i mean i think that's some one of one of the issues in terms of what happens when stuff starts to starts to migrate i mean i think what would be interesting i think you know you, you talk about volume of audience and the number of podcasts and and maybe you know we're talking about the long tail here so the tip of the tail disappears behind a paywall but there's that infinite long tail of podcasts on you know games and knitting and harry potter and you know local towns and communities making content and they'll still they'll stay with with rss um one of the things that i've been kind of trying to write something about this and i think when you're thinking about podcasting and think about rss what struck me is the reason it's significant isn't the technology or the code but actually it's sort of political and cultural status that that it is open source and that anybody can use it and that in in a sense helps us to perhaps think about what podcasting is this sense that anybody can make one you just and you can do it for free you know the software is out there you can make this stuff for free banging online and you're there and you're on spotify and you're and you're on apple so i, I think there's kind of there's a cultural thing there um and a political thing and I think the thing that complicates it, I suppose, it is then Joe Rogan because his podcast will sound the same when it goes to Spotify. It will behave in exactly the same way, one would imagine. Um, so does, does that then change what we call it? And I think James James Cridland has said um, that they call stuff like that shows. And other people have said, yeah, yeah, we do the same. You know, if it has, has RSS, it's a podcast. If it doesn't, it's a show. And I think it kind of, it's helpful, but it doesn't tell us what's going on. Well, what, you know, is that a show? Well, then, you know, what are podcasts? I don't know. There, there are other things going on in the background too. Sorry to jump in on Richard's uh, point here. There's other things going on in the background too about how podcasting is being monetized. That's yeah. really, I think, at the heart and the core of what, the Spotify deal is really getting at. Right now, it's 
a little bit challenging to monetize podcasts because you don't have the same level of information about your listeners as you might have in other forms of media. For example, Facebook knows virtually everything about any content that you interact with on its platform. It is omniscient in terms of how it figures out what you're clicking on and when and uses that to great effect to monetize all of your clicks to advertisers. Now, podcasting is at a distinct disadvantage because it doesn't have access to any type of detail about what or who is accessing the content. You get numbers on downloads, you get maybe an IP address, you get what app someone is using and whether or not they're accessing it through Apple and so on and so forth. But that's a fairly limited range of information. It's certainly not the kind of information that advertisers are quite used to now getting on other types of platform services, particularly social media. But that's what Spotify offers to advertisers because of course Spotify has your name, your address, uh, your if you've signed up as a subscriber, it might have your credit card information and your credit card data. And because everything is centralized in the app itself, Spotify has a much clearer picture of how much of an episode you're listening to, when you're dropping off, when you pick up that episode again. Um, it can do demographic information, that type of information. All of that is available to advertisers in a way that it's not on RSS. So as part of this kind of platformization uh, argument that I'm making here, I'm arguing that as advertisers become more used to getting that very detailed type of information about podcast listeners, they're going to come to expect that information. And if that information is not available through the open web and RSS, that's going to kind of start a uh, a ball rolling down the hill of more and more podcasts looking for exclusive deals with platforms because that's the only way you're going to be able to provide advertisers with that type of detail. But this is one of the complex problems about podcasting though, isn't it? Is that we assume that they're all hunting the dollar. They're all hunting a way of monetizing their podcast. But actually, I asked this question in a, in, um, a Facebook group a couple months ago. And actually, it was, it was quite nuanced. There were people there who were saying, well, you know, I'm a I'm a lawyer or I'm a therapist. So actually, my podcast is an advert for what I do, or I'm looking to demonstrate my skill, or I just do it because I enjoy it. And I think this is the, the the interesting thing about podcasting is that it is that such a broad church of people, and there are those people who will chase those deals and will want to get the big bucks, and they'll want to work with with Acast or all the services that will sell your advertising for you but i think there'll still be that contingent group um who don't want that but also is this is this a move that's almost like speculating that the advertising element of things will one day kind of recede i mean it's always been a problem that the, the yeah as as john was talking about the monetization aspect of it and will joe rogan now have to have to kind of integrate advertising more into his actual content in a kind of more holistic way because he's you know he he's now he is now the kind of um the center point for that you know for that advertising dollar 
But is it is it more of a sense though that actually he's hoping that in however many years time he can go behind the, the the paywall and not have any advertising and just be part of the subscription. So in a way, for him, he's taking the hundred million and then and then you know guaranteeing himself a you know a life and an income of on that level. Yeah, as long as Spotify continue to do podcasts rather than thinking about having to worry about sort of all these different revenue and advertising streams that he probably has to manage himself. So it's it's kind of like, to me, maybe this is just a sort of complete one-off because Joe Rogan is so unique within the sort of podcast universe. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there are so many models of funding and people aren't necessarily changing their podcasts, you know, to fit advertising. I had a strange experience um, last year when uh, yourself and me were in Germany, Dario, for the podcast Poetics Conference. Um, I listened to a BBC podcast on the walk up to the venue. Um, now, in the UK, you hear it through BBC Sounds. You hear it, you know, as you would. It's rooted through BBC servers. If you listen from in out outside the UK, it's rooted via Acast who put a pre-roll advert on it. So I was listening to content that I'd paid for through my license fee with an advert in the front. But that, you know, but they weren't making that podcast in that way in order to accommodate the advert. The advert was just there as, as a pre-roll. And I think there might have been an end roll as well. So I, I think, you know, I, I think Joe Rogan might, they might, you know, there might be some kind of paid for um, kind of, guests and sort of uh product placements um but you know but i think they're buying a product and i think they're buying a product because you know you look at the numbers pandora still is quite strong in the us i look at some data earlier they're still you know they're level pegging with with spotify where spotify is kind of streets ahead of other platforms in europe and this is about pushing them over the edge this is about so they'll do what they need to do Hundred million dollars to um, build himself in the US seems like a bargain, really. Yeah, and John, do you think that the that this could trigger other moves of a similar ilk? I mean, we talked a little bit about where Apple has been historically. Is is Apple going to change and start talking about or thinking about content? I mean, I hear that that Amazon is now interested in getting into audio as well. Is podcasting going to become this kind of marquee signifier for these for these big companies where you're going to go to get you know the, the big star names i think there will be a lot more competition uh among those big tech companies to attract to lure uh podcasting talent which uh with very large paydays uh in the kind of and really spotify kind of began that whole process by starting to buy up podcast production companies like Gimlet and the like. And I think they're going to try, there's going to be a lot more of that kind of move. Uh, and that that does sort of raise the question. First of all, it does raise the profile of podcasting. So in that sense, it's good for podcasting. It's good that there are these yeah. huge deals because it gets a lot of press for podcasting. And then people think to themselves, boy, I better check out this podcasting medium and see what this is all about. So uh, that's that's good. Uh, but the whole question of premium content. So uh, I think this company called Luminary that jumped into the field very early with this business model of which is quite frankly the Spotify business model of having some of having some free content 
but then having the vast majority of its content protected behind a paywall and you have to have a monthly subscription in order to get access to it that that is the correct business model or that's the future of what podcasting looks like luminary's problem and they're in they're burning through uh, venture capital right now uh, at an accelerated rate, and there are many. And they're they're uh, if you believe the press, then their subscriber numbers are going way way down, and they're kind of circling the drain. Luminary's problem was that they didn't have marquee content that people had heard of before that they wanted to to access and that they were willing to pay money for. So I think Spotify was smart in looking at Luminary's. Uh, Luminary's kind of own self-destruction in a way and realize that, well, we already have the business model. We we have lots of content that's behind a paywall. We have some of it free with advertising and then the rest of it is uh, behind a paywall. We don't have the marquee content that people want to listen to. So uh, unlike Luminary, which was just living month to month on venture capital cash, Spotify is a company with huge reserves of cash and they decided that they were going to sprinkle that cash to gather some of this marquee content and then move that behind the paywall so i i, I think I, I i agree with both of you in the sense that and dario you i think you mentioned this at the beginning that i would not be surprised if uh four to five years down the line or even sooner than that that they put some if not all of joe rogan's content behind the the paywall in order to uh, encourage a kind of subscription-based model. And then Spotify will, in the podcasting world, will become Luminary, right? Um, and Luminary, I assume by that point, will be long, long gone. Uh, but Spotify, simply because it could outlast something like Luminary, because it has such deep pockets, will still be around. And the business of podcasting will change. And I think the thing, for, I think the thing for Spotify is it's a single app that will deliver everything that a listener might want. There's music in there, um, but the thing that kind of struck me as well, just just thinking about this before we started recording, is that we kind of there's been sort of I suppose a myth, hasn't there, that um, audiences want a music streaming platform because of the convenience, and they just pick up any song and it's all there and it's very easy. And what Spotify have done is they've added content. They've added speech content. It's been here in the UK for quite a while, quite a few exclusives, comedy shows, talk shows, documentaries. Um, and they found that when they added the content, people spent more time on the platform. But what you end up, that, end up with then is a series of music, curated playlists, um, speech. That sounds a lot like radio, doesn't it? So they've emulated, if you like, you know, this established medium of radio, albeit in a very kind of, albeit in a very kind of on-demand kind of way. Yeah, it's an interesting how that these things are kind of almost sort of sinking back together again. And fun, funnily enough, I think the context of the of COVID nineteen has sort of again thrown the thrown all the plates up in the air, as it were, mm. about what how media is consumed and why people consume media i mean it's it's interesting because you know I've, I've read articles that said that you know podcasting is going down 
and then other articles that say that podcasting is you know is absolutely fantastic in lockdown yeah, and then th- th- there's other articles saying that radio is now you know back on a, on a renaissance old-fashioned type of radio if you you know within inverted commas richard yeah i mean i think the stuff i've seen suggests that uh, traditional media is up commercial radio in the uk have talked about sort of a 15 percent bounce in some commercial groups what I've kind of seen from different podcasts, I've sat on, like both of you, I guess, lots of online podcast conferences over the past couple of weeks. And they say that a lot of podcasts, they took a dip during the first couple of weeks of a lockdown. But it now seems to be, as people find their kind of routine, if you like, they seem to be coming back up. And if you're doing a news podcast, then your figures were kind of up to start with, I think. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's going to be massively change in terms of the number of audiences i think people still want content i think what they're looking for and there's some i come where i saw it some tracking stats about the podcast that were doing well and they were kind of um news was doing well and comedy was doing well and some of the things that you would probably normally associate with day-to-day life were were dipping away a bit so i still i think what people like is they like human contact they like hearing a voice and about shared experiences. And as we know, podcasts are brilliant at doing that. And I, and I, I will, I will, yeah, I'm going to piggyback uh, on your great comment, Richard. And one of the things that I think could be very different with Spotify as a, uh, if Spotify continues to increase its uh, presence in podcasting, and as more and more, if more and more people start, you know, listeners using the Spotify app in order to uh, find and get access to podcasts, is that the nature of the podcasting experience itself could change quite dramatically. If you look at existing podcast apps, they operate in the way that RSS operates. You subscribe to them. It starts downloading episodes. It creates an entity around this thing called the show. And there are episodes within the show, which is very much like, let's say, television, serialized television or those kinds of things. You get a sense that you are making a kind of commitment to the show by subscribing to the show. Well, Spotify will disaggregate episodes from shows. Once the Spotify, and this is another kind of benefit of platforms, is just the ability to discover content. So if you're interested in, let's say, climate change, and you just plug a search term into uh, Spotify on the podcasting side, you could get episodes from multiple different podcasts that maybe address the issue of climate change, and you start listening to them, it's almost like a kind of auto playlist. That's very different from the kind of podcasting experience we have been experiencing up to this point, because then you're getting down to the level of episodes, and then they're almost like tracks, audio tracks. Uh, So if you start to build playlists that disaggregate uh, episodes from shows, it's going to change the podcasting listening experience. For one, it's going to make it a lot difficult, more difficult for podcasters to build an audience because they won't have that kind of entity of the show to create a kind of uh, narrative and uh, a kind of uh, personality around. And that's going to make it difficult for them to kind of build their audience over time. Yeah, that's, that, that is going to be a big effect when, when sort of AI search and even sort of marry that up with voice recognition and, and um, you know, the way that we listen now, we tend to think of it on headphones, but 
you know, when smart speakers, if they become more and more of a ubiquitous tool in the house, then again, all of these things married up together will change the way that we listen and maybe go back to what Richard was talking about in terms of a, you know, almost a sort of return to the radio way of listening, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I think and I think this is how the apps will potentially differentiate themselves. We know that Google already have, you know, great AI. They can search within episodes. So you can put in keywords and find episodes that talk about a subject quite easily. So I think Google will differentiate what they do in search. Apple have that kind of leverage and clearly Spotify are thinking about these playlists and how they can actually make this just a kind of a one-stop shop for audio. Whatever audio you want, it's there, it's curated, it's easy to find, it's mobile, it kind of can, you can hand it off from device to device to device. Um, whereas kind of Apple, you know, it's still pretty much locked to Apple devices, to, to, to the iPhone. Um, and I think this will be Spotify's big kind of key. You know, I think a lot of people have talked about how, you know, reason that, why a lot of kind of data around podcasting is so white is because it's so linked to the iPhone. And once they crack Android and Android becomes a better home for podcasts, then you open podcasting up to a much, much bigger market where, you know, arguably there's money there as well and a more global market as well. Absolutely. Um, guys, th thanks so much for taking the time out for the, this chat. It's been really great to get your expertise on this uh, on this Rogan move and then the other stuff that we've we've kind of gone on to talk about. John, uh, how, how are things with you in America at the moment? It seems like, you know, it's a pretty difficult situation over there is, uh, you know, is how, how it's how are you experiencing it at the moment? Yeah, it's a mess over here, and uh, that's uh, the best, the most polite way of, of putting it. Um, it's we, we've had a a, a massive you know, health catastrophe, as the rest of the world have uh, has experienced. Um, except we've had really a kind of a systemic failure of leadership to deal with that health crisis, and now we're feeling the effects of that. So I've been in this quarantine lockdown for almost three months now, and it shows no signs of abating because the cases of COVID-19 are not necessarily going down that quickly. So that's a problem. And on the top of that, uh, right, we have, um, again, a, a kind of recurring uh, racial strife that has never gone away in this country and is now experiencing a sad uh, resurgence. And that on on top of the COVID-19 crisis is 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 just it's can be overwhelming. So I think that's the the people I talk to who I'm uh, close with here in this country just feel a sense of uh, being overwhelmed and not sure what's happening next. And I know there's uh, lots of people around the world that are experiencing the same thing. But um, because of the kind of fluctuating leadership uh, situation that we have in this country, it's very, very challenging. Now, that's a great thing to you know to talk about in podcasts, and I know there's lots of COVID nineteen podcasts that are popping up. Yeah, so much sure. so that people around the country are saying, "Please, no more COVID nineteen podcasts." Where <laughs> where we have enough of that on the daily news. We don't need yet another podcast to talk about COVID nineteen. So podcasting can be uh, an outlet and uh, and kind of a a. Uh, a mirror of the zeitgeist, so to speak. 
but yeah, I I won't I won't lie to you. It's it's very difficult living in the United States uh, right now. It's very challenging. Yeah, it seems to be a kind of I mean, perfect storm is a little bit of a cliche, but definitely the the the, the sort of racial tensions and the obviously the trigger of of that. I think, you know, is related, the, the, the way that this has blown up in the way that it has, you can't separate it from the, you know, the long-standing sort of social and cultural issues that America has, uh, is, has been sort of uh, enduring, yeah. let's say. And, and the uh, people who are being Richard, disproportionately you... affected by COVID-19 are those who have been marginalized mm. uh, historically, and those happen to be um, African-Americans, Latinos, etc. Yeah. And that's, it's, it is all kind of uh, connected in a way. Yeah, it's definitely an intersection of kind of class and 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 race in terms of the those who are most exposed to the to COVID nineteen and suffering the most deaths. That's that's for certain. Absolutely. Um, Richard, are you uh, how are you dealing with the uh, the situation in the UK? Are you are you sort of on the on the side of the coin that thinks we're, we're maybe opening things a little bit too early and a, and a second spike yeah, is inevitable. Pretty much. I mean, and that kind of is reflected on a lot of the action to the local authorities where I am. Um, we're a hotspot. If you look at the, um, the infection chart, we're at the top or near the top. Um, our local council have, have not opened schools today like the rest of the country. Um, and that's the case in the region. And it's for this, it's often for the reasons that you talk about that there, John, in terms of what's happening in the States. You know, this is about urban deprivation. It's about urban areas. Um, in this area, a lot of the people, the older people here, that you know, these are ex-factory workers, miners, shipyard workers, you know, all industries that are not known for not being particularly kind to the health and kind to the lungs. So, yeah, it's been a bit bumpy. Uh, we're getting used to lots of deliveries. Um, going to the supermarket just for someone to dump um, bags of food into the boot of the car and then drive away. Um, it's been, yeah, it's been it's been uh, an interesting period. So I, I'm trying not to go out. And, but thinking, you know, thinking actually in terms of you know, going back to work um, and back to teaching in September... I'm trying to think of it positively and thinking actually we can do some really great stuff online. You know, we're here, you know, we're Dario, you're at the other end of the country, John, you're at the other side of the Atlantic. And we've had a, you know, a barroom conversation here and we just happened to record it through the internet. So, you know, you can, you can achieve great things. I think, I mean, I'm quite, you know, quite excited about what that holds for us in terms of actually how we can work with students and uh, find different ways of um, teaching and, and them learning. Yeah, I'm hoping that it does lead to um, a, a kind of transformation, I think, in the way that universities operate. Um, I think it'd have to be lecturer and student-led rather than an organisation or government-led. That's the only caveat yeah. I would have to that. I, I think that there's a sort of, you know, with all institutions that are in power at the moment most of them tend to be kind of right-wing orientated there is a move to just retain their power and it's just trying to come up against that or challenge that in the circumstances that hopefully we can take advantage of the you know even though it's it's a terrible situation but um i'm definitely looking forward to uh september october time when you when we are going to be doing a, a conference unfortunately remotely but we're still doing it in in dublin where all we're all going to be speaking together so looking forward to that yeah yeah it'll be interesting and we'll have to um make sure we've got a bottle of jameson to hand or something 
I don't drink Guinness. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that would be fantastic. Yeah, or or Guinness, whatever you have on hand. We need to be stocked and ready for that uh, experience. Um, look forward to speaking to you again, guys. Take care. Thanks so much. Thank you.